Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain has been directly injected into your cerebral cortex. Are you annoyed by affirmations? What about when the host of your favorite podcast delays the episode by putting in some silly time-wasting introduction like Think positively! You are the sum of all your thoughts, so you might as well deny any of your fear, guilt, shame, and anger and bury that way, way down so that you never have to deal with it. Paul says, Repression of thought and suppression of emotion leads to anxiety and depression. <laughs> That's such baloney! That's like saying lead paint leads to cancer, or monosodium glutamate is actually bad for you. <laughs> Why would MSG be on the label if it was bad for you? That just doesn't make any sense. You know, my son hasn't called me in 17 years, but it's not because I drove my car into the church when he was getting married. It's because he couldn't think positively enough while I was using his college fund to support my very healthy gambling habit. I kept telling people I was not addicted, but they wouldn't believe me. I would get so angry with them that I'd have to go to the casino and put all my money on black just to show them that they were wrong. There, there, I know. Come on in. We have an hour. You can tell me all about it. I swear there's nothing wrong with me because I'm always thinking positively. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Just sit down on that couch and tell me all about it. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then get ready to start creating the life you've always wanted now. This is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, author, podcaster, skeptic, proud to have an ego, but humble enough to stay compassionate, and this is the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. And here, you can't learn any common sense tips to improve your life. I'm sorry, but you can't. <laughs> if you want common sense, you're just going to have to scour the internet and look for top 10 lists to help you through your challenges. <laughs> That's because this is the direct path to uncommon sense. That's right. I don't repackage information. I just share what I know to work. And that's why it's going to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, as you may or may not know, I'm working on a book. A publisher reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to write a book based on your show. And I saw that and I was like, great. <laughs> that saves me a lot of time because now I don't have to hire an editor and a graphic design person and all the other stuff that goes into writing an actual book. And I was very happy when they reached out to me and asked this. However, I am on a deadline. And because of that, the first thing I want to say when I come on the air is, all right, this is going to be a really short episode. <laughs> but I know I jinx myself every time I say that. So I've decided that I'm never going to say that again. <laughs> Unless it gets to the end of the episode where I can go, oh, I'm happy to say that that was a short episode. It just doesn't work that way for me, so I've stopped doing it. But I do need to be aware of the time because I have only two and a half weeks to get this book done. Once August 1st, 2016 comes around, the writing has to be completed. And then it goes into a big editing process where we go back and forth and 
they edit and then I re-edit and then everything gets laid out into a book and then I cross my fingers and hope one person buys it <laughs> and I'll say, thanks mom. <laughs> no, it should be a really good book. Uh, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into it, but the reason I mention it is because it has to do with this first segment, which is the book is based on the show. The show was created to help empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. And what that really means is that when you're empowered, you really just have more resources at your disposal. You have more faith in yourself. You have more belief in yourself. So when situations come up, you can access those resources and be the person that you need to be and express in the way that you need to express so that you honor yourself. For example, one of my coaching clients, he has had trouble uh, honoring his boundaries in certain situations, especially social situations. If something happens where uh, somebody crosses the line or crosses his boundaries, I guess it's the same thing. If somebody crosses your boundaries, it's like crossing the line. Uh, he hasn't felt like he could stand up for himself and say what's on his mind. Like the example I use uh, when somebody cuts in front of you at the grocery store or something and they don't see a problem with it, but you might. <laughs> I know I might. They just cut in the line and, and then you're like, what's the deal? <laughs> so what do you do? Do you say, I don't know if you know this, but you just cut in front of me. Or do you react and go, hey, what the hell, buddy <laughs> or miss? And, uh, and how is that going to go? You know, is that going to create conflict? Are you avoiding conflict wherever possible? But if you listen to this show enough and you listen to what I teach or you coach with me, you get to a point where you can go, you know what, this time I'm going to stand up for myself no matter what the cost, no matter what the result. That's scary and you definitely have to pick and choose the battles that you want to fight. But uh, sometimes we think that the battles are going to lead to something more harsh than they really do. Typically, when somebody cuts in front of you in a line, it probably won't lead to violence, but it can. We all have access to YouTube, <laughs> and we can look up uh, customer cuts in front of line and probably see some sort of fight ensue, but we won't see videos where somebody cuts in a line and it turns out okay. It turns out respectable and everyone's civil to each other. That's because videos like that aren't posted. Nobody cares if it's respectable. I mean, I might be wrong about that. <laughs> Maybe there is a video out there like that, but for the most part, that doesn't sell, so to speak. It doesn't bring in watchers. It doesn't bring in ratings. So you don't see videos like that. All you're exposed to is the drama. The drama sells. The drama gets all the views. The drama goes viral. So we think that's how every situation is going to turn out. Dramatic aggressive, or even violent. And it's simply not true. We're programmed to think that every conflict that we get in is going to turn out badly. People are going to yell at us. People are going to scream, or they're going to hurt us in some way. It's not true. I know it's not true because I felt that way all my life. I felt that if I stand up for myself or express what's really on my mind, and that I'm going to get a lash back or I'm going to be punished or disciplined. I felt that way for probably 35 years of my life. That if I spoke up for myself, if I stood my ground, if I told someone they crossed the line and I just respected my own boundaries, 
then I would be punished in some way. That's because all my references were when you stand up for yourself, when you create confrontation or conflict, that there are terrible repercussions. And the truth is, most of the time, there's not terrible repercussions. Most of the time, people are normal. <laughs> They'll say, oh, I didn't even know I cut in front of you. I didn't even see you there. <laughs> you know, or they'll say something else. And they can also say, I don't care. You weren't moving, so I just cut in front of you. And they could be in their own world of, I want what I want, and I'm going to get what I want. And there's not going to be anything you can do about those people. It's going to happen. They're going to be people that you simply won't be able to communicate with on a civil level or a, quote, normal level. Because they want what they want. They're trying to fulfill a need. They feel like they're in lack or maybe they're in survival mode and the, they think the world's against them. So they're going to get what they want. They're just going to grab what they want and they don't care. And you can't really communicate with people like that. You just have to let them go. Like, wow, that person just doesn't care. I wonder how her husband feels <laughs> at home. I wonder if he has to deal with that when she gets home. Or I wonder how her family feels. Or even, you know, put yourself in her shoes. Like, what would cause me to feel that way? Now, that's an interesting perspective. You may still be angry, that, for example, if she cut in front of you in line, or he, it doesn't matter. But if you put yourself in their shoes, what happens then? What would, I mean, think about it yourself. What would cause me to feel that way? Have I ever felt that way? Have I ever felt like, I don't care. I'm just going to cut in line or I'm just going to take that parking spot before they do because I don't care. Maybe you have an entitlement feeling going on like I have lost every single parking spot <laughs> every time I go shopping. So I'm going to take that one. I know that they're going for it, but I'm going to grab it because I deserve it. Damn it. It could happen. We've all felt a way that we've seen others behave. And that's just important to know. We've all felt how other people have felt. Some people carry it around with them all the time. Some people feel like, for example, they're entitled all the time or they need to be in control all the, all the time. Some people just carry this stuff around with them in the world and they behave badly or we perceive that they're behaving badly. And we don't always know what's going on. We just know that they're behaving badly and they're making me upset. They cut in front of me in line and I'm angry. Now, what am I going to do about it? And what you do next determines the rest of your day. What you say next determines how you feel. You might want to stand up for yourself and say, hey, you cut in front of me. That's wrong. Get behind me. And they may respond like, I know I cut in front of you. I wanted to. <laughs> or they may just say, wow, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. But you never know because we're so conditioned to think that when we uh, confront someone that it's going to be bad. And there are times where, where it will be bad. I mean, it will be, let's put it this way, it will be unfavorable. It will be something that you don't want to have to deal with. So this is where the choice comes in of, am I going to say anything or not? And then if I don't say anything, will I carry this anger around with me the whole day? I like to do something I told my client just a few days ago. 
I like to squash the negative energy in the situation in any way I can. Even if it means that I don't have to show them that I'm right. In the sense that if someone cuts in front of me in line, I will just assume they made a mistake. Now, that's a great place to be. Assuming someone made a mistake and then approaching it that way. So I might say something like, hey, I don't know if you realized it, but I was standing here in line and you just cut in front of me. Now, this gives them the choice to respond the way they're going to respond. I mean, they have a choice anyway, but it depends on how you set it up. If you set it up with your anger, hey, you can't cut in front of me. If you set it up that way, I mean, you can tell the, the emotion is coming out in my voice. You can't cut in front of me. If they're already angry inside, that ignites their anger. That triggers it. So it will come back as anger or, or something similar. It may not. It, it could still go civil. They could still say, oh my God, I didn't even realize it. But more times than not, people get angry when they're incited like that. So you can influence a situation. If there's negativity in that situation, you can try to squash it if you want. I mean, if you are a person who doesn't like conflict, you could try to squash that negative energy by saying something more neutral, by thinking that they must have made a mistake, by thinking that it wasn't intentional on their part. Because more times than not, you will be able to uh, have a more civil response than if you just react and say, what the heck? (laughs) So back to empowerment. When you're in a situation like that, this is what this show is about, to, to build up the tools and the resources that you can have available to you when you're in situations like that, because situations like that will come. They will always be in your life. And who you are, how you show up in that moment is what determines what happens next and how you feel for the rest of the day. Because I don't know how many times you've been through this, but I've gotten angry before when someone did something that I felt was against me. And instead of thinking, wow, they must have made a mistake, I thought, why that son of a... And then I go to a bad place thinking that they did it intentionally. And it's funny because the person probably didn't even know me. Like, why would it be intentional? It was probably more getting their own needs fulfilled without regard to anyone else. I mean, sure, that's intentional, but it's a selfishness. It's it's something that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them because their world revolves around them and no one else exists. It's like following somebody on a freeway and they stop in the middle of the freeway thinking about maybe taking that exit and then they look at their GPS, yet they're stopping traffic that's going 70 miles an hour. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen people slow way down and cause a backup just so that they can fulfill their needs in their own little world without care or regard for anyone else. When I see something like that, I, I have to laugh if I'm not getting into an accident <laughs> because of it, but it's, it's laughable. It's like, wow, this person has no clue. <laughs> Just stopping traffic. And a, a lot of this is going on in the world. People are in their own little worlds. And I, I'll give you one guess why that is because we have our own little worlds in our hands. 
we carry around our phones and our tablets and we are glued to them, reading things, watching videos, talking to people. It, we create our own little worlds and we carry them around with us. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that when we lose connection with the outer world and we suddenly don't want to communicate like we used to face-to-face with people, we do lose connection and we do end up being more comfortable in the maybe the virtual world that we create. It's like we are a god of our own world. So this is just something to keep in mind when you're faced with a conflict. My coaching client was faced with a conflict and he had tools. He was like, hey, I have tools inside me and I'm going to try this. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to say something. And he did. And regardless of the result, he took the steps and he accomplished the goal. And when you go into something without regard for the results, but with regard for the purpose, then you will succeed, even if the result is bad, even if the result turns into a screaming match. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't, and hopefully you have more tools after that. But if you're working on something in yourself, if you're working on your self-confidence, if you're working on becoming empowered so that you can say things without fear, so you can do things without fear, because that's, that's what empowerment is to me. You're just saying and expressing yourself without fear. When you get to that point, and then you're presented with something that used to be a challenge, and maybe in the moment you think it is, but you decide to be empowered and take a step into that power and honor yourself and those you're with, then you get to practice what you learn and reinforce the power inside of you. So keep listening and hopefully you will continue adding tools to your list of resources inside of you so that when you are faced with the challenges that will come, you will have more tools from which to draw. Stay tuned for our next segment called Ask Paul. I don't know about you, but um, when I think of car insurance, I think that it's a necessary evil. (laughs) And that's probably unfair because the insurance industry is designed to protect us in case something happens. Now, I'm not here to talk about auto insurance, (laughs) but I just wanted to give you an idea of how uh, Legal Shield works. Legal Shield is sort of the same thing, except you pay much, much less to get, in my opinion, much, much more value. Asha with Get Out of the Mess, uh, she sponsors this show and she is an independent associate for Legal Shield and she shares with us almost every week what this service is and how it can benefit us. She turned me on to it and I immediately was attracted to it. I'm like, tell me more. What is this about? Because as a coach that I run as a business, I want to be able to protect myself just in case someone comes along and says, hey, you know that pretty ocean scene that you have on your website? Yeah, we own that. You owe us a, you know, $10,000 or whatever it is. And I want to be able to be protected just in case something like that happens. Well, I have legal shield, so I can just call an attorney. I pay $20 a month to have this kind of access to be able to ask questions when things like this show up in your life. 
because things like this do show up in your life. There are people out there that you don't know what they're going to do. Asha told me of a story when she was parking her car in a parking spot, and as she was pulling in, someone opened their door right in front of her car, <laughs> and she hit it. And the guy immediately came out, admitted fault. I'm so sorry. I I I didn't see you there, and I opened the door, and you hit it. It was my fault. I'm so sorry. And so she thought she, it was okay. It was she was in the clear. She didn't have to worry about this anymore. But then that guy's family came out, and they convinced him that that's not what happened at all. She saw what happened. He saw what happened, and everything was fine. But then somebody convinced him otherwise, and now she has to pay for his damage. And it's like what? <laughs> so she was able to call an attorney and figure this stuff out, and she worked with her auto insurance as well. And I'm willing to bet that her attorney would have said, "Make him sign a note immediately. <laughs> Make him sign a note of it, of admission, or or something similar." If she had that kind of advice, she might have done something to protect herself. But then it turned into this fiasco, and you know, people change their minds. They say one thing and then do another. You remember what that term is, right? Incongruence. People say what they're going to do, and then they don't do it, or they do something completely different. And when it comes to matters of money, uh, people do some really, really strange things, and they are definitely prone to changing their mind, especially when it comes to their friends and family convincing them, saying, "You shouldn't let her get away with that. You should take her for all she's got, or you should take her insurance company for all she's got." These things happen, and that's why I'm so glad that. Asha supports this show. Contact her, or just sign up for the service. Go to getoutofthemess.com and sign up. You could just sign up right on the website. You don't even have to talk to anyone. It's great. And if you want to talk to someone, just call her. Call her at six seven eight three five five eight seven seven seven, and she'll tell you if this service is right for you. Yes, it's only in the U.S. and Canada, but if you are in those two countries, then you're all set. If not. Um, I hope they expand because they are very valuable, and I can't imagine not having it available to me. And it's so worth it. Car insurance—you can pay up to hundreds a month, and Legal Shield—I'm only paying twenty dollars a month. It's such a different system. It's a worthwhile system, and you get top-notch attorneys at your beck and call. <laughs> I highly recommend them. Go to getoutofthemess.com or contact Asha for any questions at all at six seven eight. Three five five eight seven seven seven. Well, all right, we're on to the next segment called Ask Paul. This is where I read a letter from a listener who wrote to me and shared with me the challenges that they're having, and I do my best to answer and try to find some sort of way out <laughs> or solution. Today's letter is from someone I'm going to call Elaine. How about that? Elaine. <laughs> Here's the letter. Hi, Paul. I really enjoy your show and I like your thought processes. I'm like you in many ways. I'm analytical and a strategist. I've been with the same partner since I was 16. That's 29 years. I've released him and I was very happy to do so. We have four boys under 10. He's a soft, nurturing man and he adores kids but he has been depressed for about eight years he's emotional and moody and i finally decided that i can't make him happy i'm very energetic and proactive i'm big on self-reflection and problem solving last year i said to him at the start of the year that this year was going to be about sorting out our marriage 
I'm a singer, so I got back on stage, I lost some weight, I developed a side business, and I pretty much got myself back together building social networks in our town. I made myself happy. My ex didn't. He just sunk further and used passive aggression on me at every turn. I told him what I needed. I encouraged him to find happiness within. I nurtured and coddled him until I realized that I was just too powerful for him and that I needed to release him so that he can find his feet. I'm thrilled with that decision. And the kids seem to be adapting well too. It's been six months. There's absolutely no turning back for me and my ex remains stagnant. I've had a couple of exploratory flings since then, which has been great since my damage has been around feeling rejected. My ex had a low libido, and I actually felt dirty for wanting him. This was hard to talk to other women about, and hard for me not to internalize. My takeaway was always that I felt unattractive. Remember, this was the only man I'd been with since 16. I have felt entirely ready and comfortable to explore sexual connections, as I'd felt it's been a massive area of need for me, and frankly, I don't tend to sit around waiting to process something that is entirely obvious to me. I put myself into online dating, asking for a text buddy, via the safety of distance. It was fantastic. I met someone, and he and I developed a very strong connection. Our humor, our love of words and writing, our creative thinking, and the same hobbies. He's beautiful. We've talked many times a day since we met a few months ago. He lives about a thousand miles from me. We are both separated with children and neither of us can see any possibility of moving. I wouldn't move my kids from their dad. It would be horrible for them and for him. And my new love already lives two hours away from his kids, so he grabs any opportunity that he can to spend with them. We do see each other every six to eight weeks and every time it's wonderful. I'm actually fine with the distance as my life is full and I live toward making our meetings real adventures, like we'll spend three or four nights in a place that we've never been. He is hesitant and very frightened of giving his whole heart to me in this almost impossible situation. Our banter is so good and I'm trying to make it work so that we can maybe tie in a business link, like podcasting together, which could potentially develop our relationship further as well as help us see each other more. Do you have any advice on having this kind of relationship with no resolution regarding actually living together? Well, all right, Elaine, thank you so much for reaching out and and commenting about the show. I appreciate that you listen, and uh, I appreciate you sharing this. It's, you know, very vulnerable. Let's get to some thoughts that I have. First of all, it's a great question. It's a powerful story. Your ex sounds like the person that I used to be. I married a high-energy, full-of-spice-and-joy woman that I slowly brought down to my own previously depressed state with the energy that I had at the time. A very, very low energy, like it sounds like your ex has. Now, the difference is I was able to heal through my depression, but that only revealed more problems underneath. So I'm glad that you took those steps, those empowering steps to give yourself more and to give him the opportunity to heal and grow on his own. Now, it may take him a while unless he listens to this show. (laughs) Seriously, though, I have a specific episode on being a, quote, man and standing up for yourself, something that when you don't do it, you repress your true emotions and you do end up depressed. 
It's kind of like today's intro. Mr. Positive says, Paul said when you repress your thoughts and suppress your emotions, it leads to depression. And then he laughed and thought it was a joke, but it's true. (laughs) This is what happens. And this is why people get into this funk. I mean, one of the reasons, I know there's many reasons, but one of the main reasons is that we're not able to express ourselves and what we really think, what we really want to say. It's like that last segment when I talked about my coaching client. There are times that he really wanted to say something, you know, something bubbled up in him. I mean, this happens to every one of us. Something bubbles up in us and we want to say something and we don't. It has to go somewhere. That negative feeling that we get has to go somewhere. This doesn't bubble up for no reason. This doesn't bubble up to get suppressed. It bubbles up to be expressed. I mean, think about that. For example, a pressure cooker. A pressure cooker creates pressure by boiling the liquid. Then the steam inside increases the pressure and allows the temperature to rise. Yes, I had to use Wikipedia for that reference. <laughs> but think about it in the, in the sense of emotions. When you think about your emotions that need to come out, if they don't come out, they build pressure inside of you. And guess what? The more emotions that you suppress, the more pressure that gets built. And the more pressure that gets built, the more the proverbial steam gets hot the more negativity that you're carrying around. And if you're not releasing the pressure, if you're not letting this stuff go by expressing it, then the pressure does something to your system. And what that does is not only do you suppress the emotions that you want to convey, but maybe you don't convey because you have some sort of fear that kicks in, but it will also automatically suppress any of the good feelings too. And when the good feelings are suppressed, what is there left to feel? You're, you're holding in the bad feelings and you're holding in the good feelings involuntarily because you want to feel good, but it doesn't happen because now you're suppressing emotions. But those negative emotions that you suppress, they're like a blanket over the good feelings. And they push those things down. And that blanket eventually leads to depression, anxiety, and different behaviors like passive aggressiveness, like, like she mentioned in her letter. So my point is you don't want to let that pressure build up. You want to find a way to express this stuff. And sometimes it does take talking to someone that you feel safe with. Sometimes it takes uh, expressing to the person that you don't want to express to because of fear. Or sometimes it just takes screaming in your car or going to the gym and sweating it out or many other ways. But when you can find someone that you feel safe with and that you can express with and really say what's on your mind, That's a great start. But I think one of the problems is when you have trouble expressing yourself, and for example, in Elaine's letter, he probably is one of those guys that people think is nice. Like he might be a guy that's like too nice to everyone and even gets taken advantage of since he doesn't want to say no to people. I mean, that's very damaging to yourself and it's a dangerous path to stay on if if it's not mixed with a healthy dose of self-compassion and and personal boundaries. So Elaine, I, I feel really bad for your ex because he he needs help of some sort. I'm not saying he needs professional counseling or anything, but that might be a good start. And I know he's not your responsibility anymore, but um, if he does choose to find help or decide to take 
a leap of faith and start expressing himself in small ways, start honoring those personal boundaries, he might be able to get a taste of what it's like to not be depressed all the time, to not be in that funk. Now, I know that your letter isn't really uh, centered on him because you have another question, and I'm going to get to that momentarily. But if anyone is listening that is in this situation where they just feel down more than they feel up, I would ask yourself the question, do I always express how I feel in almost every situation? I mean, one of the reasons I became depressed is because I chose to um, swallow the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings that I had uh, in my relationship. And the last two years of my long-term relationship, back in the 90s and early 2000s, I had a lot of trouble expressing myself. And when she would say things that invalidated my emotions, a term I didn't even know back then, I wasn't conscientious or courageous enough to say what was really on my mind. Like, how dare you say that to me? Or even something less aggressive than that, like, I just want you to hear me out, even if you know I'm wrong. Just hear me out, just so I can get it out. This is how I feel. And when you do this, I get angry. I never said anything like that. I always held it in because I believed that if I said something like that, she would leave me or get angry with me or fall out of love with me. Yet I didn't realize the very act of not expressing myself was exactly what was causing her to fall out of love with me. Wrap your head around that. (laughs) You're trying to be nice, so you're not saying mean things. And the person you're with just wants you to be real. Just wants you to express yourself. Where are you? Where's the real you? That's one of the biggest hurdles I had to get past is learning to express myself without fearing what would happen when I did it. And I I do hope your ex gets to that point where he can express himself without fear because that is the first step out of this disempowered place he's in, his depression. I'm not here to prescribe medication, which he may or may not need. I'm here to say that no matter what he does, no matter what professional service he uses to seek help for his situation, the first step is to express himself, express what's really on his mind. And eight years is a long time to suppress emotions and repress thoughts. So my goal with anyone is to help them express thoughts, express who they really are inside, express true thoughts and emotions, and get to the point that you do not have fear of the consequences. You consider the consequences and you can make a choice, but it kind of sucks when you don't have a choice <laughs> or you think you don't have a choice. It, it's not a good feeling to think, wow, I can't say anything. When you do have a choice, it's just a matter of living with the results of that choice. But empowerment is all about being okay with any choice that you make because it's right for you. And hopefully he tunes into this show one day and he finds the episodes on building his masculinity or honoring his personal boundaries or whatever resonates with him most so that he can enjoy life again. I'm sure there are some great qualities about him that you are going to miss. And it would be nice that he uh, healed himself and gets to a better place inside himself because no one has to live like that. Yes, there are circumstances that that make us depressed or cause us to go into that funk. 
but it doesn't have to last. It shouldn't last. We should be able to wake up every day feeling just a little better. Even just a little step forward should always be forward momentum. So I do hope that he finds help, that he finds this show, a book, a therapist, a coach, whatever he can do. I hope he comes to that realization that this isn't all there is. Let's take a break and let me get to the second part of your question after this. All right, I want to tell you about the TOB Patron Program. If you're not familiar with that, it's a membership site where I record private episodes, provide workbooks and worksheets, and do some group coaching every month for those that join. Uh, membership cost is anywhere from $3 a month to $29 a month, and that is very highly accessible for anyone that wants to get more overwhelmed brain goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I really love the uh, group coaching because I'm lining up some other coaches that have specialties that I don't specialize in. Like just the other day, I spoke with a uh, meditation coach. Now, I encourage meditation, but I don't necessarily do it a lot myself. So I really want to tap her for information. I mean, I really like how she teaches, which is why I reached out to her in the sense that she says that um, we don't have to sit in lotus position every day to meditate. And I'm thinking, really? Because I just don't have time to do that. <laughs> and is meditation even necessary? And like I said, I do encourage it, but how necessary is it? So, you know, I want to ask her that question. And there's going to be a lot of interaction in that uh, meeting that's going to happen in a few weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. So if you're interested in that, you can join the TOB patron program. And the uh, group coaching level is uh, $29 a month. It's very affordable, very reasonable. And the other levels of the program are less than that. So if you want private episodes, if you want access to the worksheets that I normally sell on the site and some that you won't even find on the site and a few other incentives, just head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and see which level works best for you. The bronze level with the private episodes is only $3 a month. Only $3 a month. I think that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> and I think you'll agree. Oh, and here's a quick segment from the last private episode that I just recorded to give you an idea of what to expect over there. It can be a very toxic relationship because nobody gets better. And typically, 90% of the time or more, the enabler gets worn out, burnt out, and... Because nothing ever changes, the enabler becomes just more and more jaded over time because they go into the relationship thinking that I'm going to help this person and this person is going to get better and then we're going to become equals and we'll, we'll be a powerful couple and we'll just be this amazing force to be reckoned with or whatever. But what happens is the enabler causes the dysfunctional person, for lack of a better term, to continue being as they are and even more continue becoming more dysfunctional because what happens is the enabler gets more and more tolerant of their dysfunction. I mean, this happened with my mom. My mom got more and more tolerant of his behavior when he was drinking and the worse he got, 
the more of a helper she became. All right. If you're interested in the patron program, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and join today. Hope to see you there. All right, Elaine, I want to answer the second part of your letter regarding the long-distance relationship. I did have an episode on long-distance relationships, but let's talk about this anyway. I've done the long-distance relationship thing twice, but I have my limits. I can't go for more than six months. I set that parameter up so that I wouldn't prolong any, I don't know, I don't want to say suffering, because it's not really suffering, but there's only so long that I want to be without someone in my life. As far as when I'm with them, if they're gone all the time, is it really a relationship at all? For example, my girlfriend said, if you ever travel for weeks at a time, then what's the point of us being together? She said that because I used to travel a lot for the work I did, and I really enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed being on the road and having someone else pay for all my dinners and hotels. I didn't mind living out of a suitcase. So I talked about that and she spoke up and said, if you started doing that again, I would have a real problem with it. And I was like, all right, good to know. (laughs) And that's mostly my uh, take on it too. If we're not together more than we are together, then it doesn't really seem like a relationship anymore. Now, sometimes that's hard to avoid. Sometimes your loved one is in the military or they have a job that keeps them away from home for months at a time. If you do that and you're okay with it and you've found a way to adapt to it, congratulations. That is very courageous. It's very hard to do. And I'm envious. I think that's a strong bond that you have. So that's good. And for Elaine, that's what she's saying, is that we have a really strong bond, and when we do see each other, it's magical, it's wonderful. So I think that's amazing, Elaine. Thank you for sharing that, and I understand that, you know, someone is so far away, a thousand miles away, they're not inaccessible, they're just harder to be with all the time. So you make it up in other ways. You text each other, you chat with each other, maybe even write handwritten letters, which would be kind of romantic. (laughs) And maybe you uh, get on video chat or Skype in between when you see each other. So that can work. I mean, you both have your own lives and you you have to wait until your children grow up. That's what children do. They kind of keep us locked into a way of being until they're old enough to be on their own. It's not a bad thing. It's just how it is. We have to take care of children until they're ready to be on their own. It's something that our parents signed up for, and it's something that we all sign up for when we have kids. So, you know, you look at that as, you know, most people would look at it as a priority. My kids are my priority. And if that's the case, then you already have your life laid out until the last one's 18 (laughs) and moves out. You already have this plan laid out. So there's a level of acceptance that you come to. So you have this piece of information. You know that he's not leaving. You know that you're not leaving. So the question then becomes, if this is the way that your relationship stayed for the next 10 years, would it be okay? Could you both agree to stay in a relationship 
where you saw each other, say, once every month and a half? If yes, then that's great. You'll probably do fantastic. A long-distance relationship can work with people who really enjoy the time to themselves as much as they enjoy being together. If, however, your relationship feels temporary and your goal is to be together as soon as possible, then what you have now will get old really fast, especially if you're detecting any frustration in yourself right now. Like your words where you said, he is hesitant and very frightened of giving his whole heart to me in this almost impossible situation. That's a very real red flag, and it could be a sign of things to come. I hope that doesn't surprise you too much, but when I hear somebody say that, like I'm not going to give you my whole heart because I'm scared, people don't like to stay scared, so they do something so they won't be scared. Not always, but sometimes you do things so you are not scared anymore, which might mean I'm not going to date this person anymore because I'm too scared. Because if I fall in love, now I can't follow through. So it typically has to go in in a direction. The fear has to go somewhere. It's hard to sustain that fear. So you have to do something about it. And that's either I'm going to move away from my kids. I don't care. And I'll just visit my kids every now and then. Or I'm going to stay with my kids and I'm not going to date you anymore. I'm not saying that it has to be either or or absolute. Because maybe you can adapt and go, you know, I am afraid to give you my heart, but I still want this to go on because you're a really good friend and maybe I even I even love you. Or whatever he says. You know, I'm not sure what your conversations uh, consist of. But if you love each other and you want to keep doing it, it can work. But typically women can hold on to the emotions of love a lot easier than many men. I'm talking about a typical heterosexual man and woman relationship. If it's a gay relationship or a lesbian relationship, whoever has more of the feminine aspect, whoever embraces more of the feminine aspect, typically can hold on to their emotions a lot easier than many of the people that hold on to their more masculine aspect. That's a whole other show and a whole other day, and I've already talked about that. (laughs) You can look for that in another episode, but more often, women or those who embrace their feminine side can wait longer, and they don't need as much physical contact to know that there is still love. I mean, in a long-distance relationship, that is. But men or anyone who aren't deeply in touch with their emotions don't always have the tenacity to keep up a long-distance relationship with that one special person. Now, I say both of these things with exceptions. There are always exceptions. Your man could be the most emotionally intelligent and in-touch male that you know, and it can work just fine. However, he is hesitant, and that hesitation is brought on by the thought of not knowing when you'll be together and be a couple. There is something special about being with someone where you can make a date and go out on that date on the same day that you make it, or just do things on a whim. The spontaneity and the variety tend to decrease in a long-distance relationship, causing the relationship to be based more on scheduled uh, hookups. 
now in new and interesting places, of course, but they're still scheduled and they fit in between the rest of your own stuff. Of course, you can say that about any relationship, really, because we all have lives and work and we have responsibilities and sometimes you just have to fit date night in. (laughs) So if you look at it that way, where your date nights are farther and farther apart than if you lived together, that can work. Like you said, if you are comfortable being alone and doing your own thing and then seeing each other uh, a few weeks or even months at a time, it can absolutely work. But let's go on to another question that you can ask yourself that drills down even more to how you really feel about this whole situation and where you think it's going to go. The question is, if you decide to continue seeing each other this way, you know, long distance, is having a good part of your life on hold something that you're both absolutely going to be okay with? Or another way to word that is having your life not as full as it could be. Because when you're with someone, you can make your life pretty full. I'm not saying that your life is empty, because it sounds like you're very busy. But will you still be fulfilled? Can you continue doing this in this way? How do you feel when I ask that? Is that okay with you? This whole long distance relationship thing is a huge challenge. And like I said, uh, military people have to deal with it all the time. And they could be separated for sometimes years. I don't know how people can do it. I, I would have trouble myself. However, when you have someone that you really know is the one, then sometimes you can go for years and wait for that person to come into your life. And sometimes you can't because you have to remember that it seems like we're all going to live till 80 or 90 or 100 years old or whatever. Things don't always work out that way, unfortunately. Life does have its limits. Life is finite. The years that we have on this planet are limited, and we have to consider what am I going to spend the majority of my time doing while I'm here? It's sort of like when they interview people on their deathbeds. I wish I had spent more time away from my loved ones. I mean, that's not something people said. That's the opposite. I wish I had spent more time with my loved ones. I wish I had spent more time at work. I wish I had spent more time tarring roads (laughs) or digging ditches. I wish I had spent more time doing that. It's typically not the other way around. But it's all a matter of the level of satisfaction that you have in life now. If you're apart from someone you love for weeks or months at a time, is your life still good? Are you still happy? Or are those in-between times just too awful and too hard to deal with? If they're not, then you're probably very healthy. Everything is probably fine. You don't have to worry about it because you're happy overall. From your letter, it sounds like you might be happy overall. You wish you could see more of each other, but you're not suffering. And that's really the bottom line is, are you suffering when you're not together? Because if you're not then it sounds like life is great and the cherry on top is that we get to see each other every six to eight weeks. 
I personally like to have someone in my life that's more accessible more of the time. So I have my limits. I have my criteria. And if it's beyond six months where that keeps going, my criteria has reached its limit and I will have to do something about it. I will have to make a decision. And it might be a hard decision. And it might feel awful. And I I might feel like I'm losing the very thing that I want to keep. But I have to have realistic expectations. Am I going to live as if every day counts? And if that's the case, and for example, if I had children, am I going to make every day count with them and make that a priority over you know, moving away and taking the children away from their other parent or, or whatever? These are all very personal decisions that really don't involve someone else's uh, opinion necessarily. I've given you my insights in this episode and I hope they've helped. And maybe the questions that I had you ask yourself will help. But overall, it's a very personal choice. And I'm here to say if you need to make a decision, then look at your life the way it is today and ask yourself, am I doing well today or am I suffering? Am I lonely all the time until I see this person or am I okay? Am I happy? And I'm even happier when I see him. I think you just want to always go towards feeling good most of the time. So considering this, Elaine, if you feel good most of the time, then just keep going with it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep enjoying life with that cherry on top and you get to see each other for those few days or weeks or however long you spend together. And for anyone else listening that is in any type of relationship, if you're feeling bad more of the time than you feel good, then you might have to make some harder choices because you don't want to look back in 20 years and go, geez, I spent a total of four weeks a year with someone I loved, so I was only happy for four weeks a year. I wouldn't want to feel like that. I'm not saying you have to make a decision where you have to leave the person or anything like that, but I do believe you have to come to an acceptance of how things really are and make a decision based on what fulfills you most. And if having that four weeks a year, hopefully more, fulfills you and makes up for the rest of the year, then it's great. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. But if not, then have some serious talks and take some serious steps to make what you want to happen, happen. Thank you so much, Elaine, for writing. And if you have any other questions, certainly reach out. Uh, If you're having trouble getting through this, you want to talk personally, you can also reach out for coaching as well. But I have a feeling that um, you probably know what you need to do here. And I'm not um, guiding you one way or the other. I just think you probably know what's best for you and you'll go along that path. You're going to be fine. Thanks again. I wish you the best and I wish your ex the best because that's no fun either. I hope I hope he gets better. I hope he gets well. Thank you so much for tuning in today and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. It's time to end the show, thank a few people, give you my final thoughts, and then say goodbye. Be right back.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. And I do mean that. Thank you. I want to thank Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. If you need any type of legal service, even if you don't think you need it, (laughs) but it'll be there whenever you do need it, contact Asha with Get Out of the Mess. Go to GetOutOfTheMess.com or call her at 678-355-8777. Sign up for the service. Try it out. You might find that you use it for a lot more than you think. And if you're not a TOB patron member, consider that too. Private episodes, worksheets, and even some group coaching if you want to try those out. Go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and learn more today. Would love to see you in the inner sanctum. Hope to connect with you there. And whether you choose to be a patron or not, I want to thank you if you've purchased any of the books or worksheets that I have on the website or Maybe you've used the Amazon link. The Amazon link is the easiest way to give back. So if you've been listening for months or even years, use the Amazon link at theoverwhelmedbrain.com every time you shop. You can even drag that link onto your desktop and then suddenly it's a lot easier. (laughs) Your shopping habits are definitely making a difference. They pay for all the technical stuff, all the website stuff and everything else that uh, it takes to get this out to you, out into the world. So thank you. I appreciate you using Amazon to thank me. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And let me just say this in closing. You have the power inside of you. That sounds weird when I say it that way, but (laughs) you do. You have power inside of you. I know this is true. And why I'm saying that is because You know, I have a client that has to take tough steps this weekend and it's not going to be easy for her. And in fact, people are going to be affected when she takes these steps. And those people aren't even going to like the steps that she takes because she's honoring herself. Where does this come from? Where does the empowerment to honor yourself come from? You do have it. It's inside of you. Because if you didn't have it, you wouldn't even have the wherewithal to tune into a show like this. Anytime a part of you reaches out to know yourself better or to get in touch with the power inside of you, anytime some part of you reaches out to evolve, to grow, to heal, to learn in some way so that you can have a better life, that's where that power is. I mean, I don't know what it is. (laughs) It's just in there. I know it's in there. I knew it was in there. Even in my lowest times when I was depressed, I knew that I once felt better. I knew that I once felt happier. And so I had to think back in the past, when did I feel happier? When was I more equipped to to handle life? You know, when I was depressed, I was not equipped. I felt like killing myself. I was not happy. I, I was not in a good space. And I thought it would be a lot easier to just leave. But I remembered that I was happy. And having that memory told me that happiness is available. Or your empowerment is available. I remember when I felt more courage. I remember when I felt more strength, more confidence. Just remember that it's in there. And even if you can't remember, even if you check back in your past and you're trying to find it but it's not there, Know that it it exists because here you are listening, learning, 
trying to get better in some way or improve yourself in some way or learn something new that you didn't know before. I mean, why would you want to learn something new? I mean, think about that. Why learn anything new? <laughs> Do you have an answer? I mean, I like learning, so that's why I like to learn. But that's not the real answer. The real answer is because you have a part of you that wants to become happier, become stronger, become more fulfilled, to have a more satisfying life, to get rid of the negativity that's inside of you. That part of you is trying to break through some of the obstacles that you've put in the way and the walls that have been built up through conditioning, through maybe bad parenting. <laughs> have, have you ever had a bad parent? And I don't mean they're bad people. I just mean they sometimes do things that don't really help us. They sometimes damage us in some ways. And sometimes they don't even know they're doing it. My stepfather damaged me in some ways. But you know what they say. Hurt people can hurt people. If someone's hurting you, they're probably hurting. If someone's abusing you, they've probably been abused. I'm not giving them a break. I'm not giving them an excuse. Because as adults, you know, you have more willpower and you can make different choices. But sometimes you don't think you have a choice. And sometimes you think that the best way to do something is the way that it was done to you. So this is where that little part of us comes out and says, I need to do something different. Like in my 20s, I had no control of when I got angry. When I got angry, I just lashed out. And sometimes I even hurt people. And I didn't like that about me. In fact, I thought I was sick. I thought I must be sick. I must have a mental issue. I must have a problem because I have this anger that comes out and suddenly I feel like I'm out of control. It must be a problem with me. Have you ever felt like something is a problem with you and you can't control it? That's because of your upbringing. It's because you were brought up in a way to respond to the world in a certain way, to react to the world in a certain way. You had survival mechanisms kick in and sometimes fear kicks in and causes you to do things that you don't necessarily appreciate about yourself. And then you bonk yourself on the head with your fist. Arr, why am I doing this? Why do I do this? Every now and then I'll even do that. Why did I just say that? Why did I just lose it? I don't like feeling that way. But we can explore that in ourselves. We can drill down into why that happened. We may not be able to take back what happened, but we can change it and start to recognize a pattern in us. And when it happens, we can catch that pattern. It doesn't mean we can consciously stop the pattern when it happens again. Like if you have a, a habit of lashing out and it feels like you're unconscious, like you don't even have control when it happens, then you can ask yourself, wow, what did I just do? Then you can start to explore that in yourself and figure out at what point you did what you did. Or you said what you said. And why? You may not be able to figure it out right away. But just asking yourself questions after it happens sets you up for the next time it happens. In a way where you become more aware. You plant your own seeds in your unconscious mind so that they're in the background blossoming so that the next time something happens, maybe your unconscious mind will stop the pattern and go, whoa. I was about to do this behavior, but now I'm not going to. Or now I'm going to make a different choice. Or maybe I still can't stop myself, but now I'm aware of it. 
Just be open to that. Just be open to that kind of behavior and that kind of response. And maybe it'll change things. But really what I want you to do is be okay when you do reach an empowered place inside of you where you can make decisions. Where you write me a letter and say, hey, look, I don't need your show anymore. (laughs) I can do anything I want, anytime I want, because I feel good, damn it. And I'd be like, oh, I hate to lose you as a listener, but I'd rather have you be in that space doing whatever you want, taking control of your life than having to look for answers outside of you. Hey, I want you to listen, but I know that every now and then you'll find an episode and go, ah, this isn't for me. But sometimes you'll find another episode and go, oh, this is definitely for me. I need to learn more than that. And quite frankly, we're never going to be where we want to be. I mean, really, we're never going to be where we want to be. But we can get closer and closer to it every day. We can get closer to where we want to be by taking steps and moving forward and always having that forward momentum. Just like my client, she's going to go through something this weekend that's going to give her forward momentum. It's going to be hard. People are not going to like it. But it's going to be beneficial for everyone even if you don't see it in the moment. And just like her, I want you to just keep your mind open and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions because that'll help you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something that I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.